It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 18th, 2019. My name is Philip Ross and I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we will hear from Jeff Weltman for the final time before the NBA draft as he uh, gives us kind of the Magic's outlook on what the what the Magic hope to accomplish in the NBA draft and, and what their thought process is entering the NBA draft. And then I will go ahead and reveal and, and go into a little bit more detail my reasoning behind what I did in the Locked On NBA mock draft. I'll go into a little bit more detail than what you would find on the Locked On NBA podcast, on the Locked On NBA podcast um, as we go through the mock draft there and explain kind of what my thought process is, what I hoped happen, would happen, what I would have done if certain things fell a certain way, and ultimately what I did do and the reasoning behind it. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device for Lockdown and the team you are looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you find here. If you have a second favorite team and want to know more about them or a hated rival that you want to learn more about, check them out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, you've got Locked On NBA, which is currently doing the Locked On NBA mock draft, which we'll talk about extensively on this show. I've been listening back to those, those episodes. It's good to hear uh, from the local experts, from the, from the guys who know their teams the best why they are picking certain players, what they think their team needs, and how they think their team should proceed. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast throughout draft week for the latest on the draft, and then, of course, on free agency, too. You can also check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball for your fantasy basketball fix during the offseason, and plenty more. You can find that, the NBA, Locked On MLB, Locked On NFL, and Locked On College podcast, too, by searching on iTunes or Himalaya for Locked On and the team you are looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. And it is draft week here on Locked On Magic, and we have a bunch of special programming coming for you today, uh, throughout the week, really, 
as the draft begins the heavy lifting of the offseason. Today, of course, we'll have the comments from Jeff Weltman uh, as he addressed the media for the final time before the NBA draft and before the Magic actually had to vacate the building because uh, there's, a, there's a little thing going on in downtown Orlando uh, today. Uh, today. Um, I, I, I'm not going to mention it because it's probably too divisive to mention anyway. Um, just uh, avoid downtown Orlando on Tuesday unless you're, you're going to the event itself, in which case, um, yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's just leave it at that. Um, but uh, we'll hear from Jeff Weltman uh, on today's episode. Yesterday was part one of my conversation with Keith Smith previewing the NBA and Orlando Magic offseason. On yesterday's episode, we talked about kind of our lessons learned from the NBA Finals, how the Magic acquitted themselves against the Toronto Raptors, and then got into the basics of what the Magic have at their disposal during free agency. Tomorrow will come part two of that conversation, um, where Keith, Keith and I will talk about what the Magic specifically can do, who they can target, whether they'll resign Nikola Vucevic, all the good stuff of what could happen in this Orlando Magic offseason. That'll be on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic. Thursday, of course, will be our final talk before the NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit about some specific prospects that I want to take a look at and, and really hone in on as we get to the final hours before the NBA draft. And then finally, on Friday, uh, of course, on Friday, for Friday's episode, we'll recap the NBA draft uh, and talk about who the Magic ultimately picked, what it means moving forward. And then either uh, over the weekend or on Monday, Expect to hear from the draft pick himself if he comes to the Amway Center on on uh, on Friday. Uh, so we'll have plenty to get to. Of course, there's like a 20-person green room at the NBA draft, so I imagine that that the Magic will be uh, being will be able to fly in whoever they pick for a press conference on Friday to meet the media for the first time. So with all that said, let's get into it today. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Orlando Magic are, are, are in, an, in a new position uh, uh, this year. Um, you know, for, for the first two years of Jeff Weltman's tenure as the president of basketball operations, he has picked with the sixth pick in the draft. And... That is a, a huge opportunity. Uh, the sixth pick, you know, you still figure you're going to get a very good player, someone toward the upper end of the draft, someone that, that most teams would believe are very good players. The way, the way Jeff Weltman described it, it's the draft is, is sort of like a pyramid. At the top of the draft, you know who the top guys are. You're not picking from a lot of different guys, and the talent's pretty easy to decipher. But as you get deeper and deeper into the draft, you have to be prepared and know more guys because talent starts to, I'm going to use the word, 
thin out a little bit. Or at least it starts to look the same. And for the first time in seven years, the Magic will be picking outside the lottery. For the second time in seven years, or in six years rather, the Magic will be picking, or will have their primary pick, their first pick, in the teens. They will be picking from a lot of guys who look the same. A lot of guys who have very similar skill sets or, you know, some great strengths and glaring weaknesses or just are kind of even and good throughout without anything really standing out. This is probably the more difficult part of the draft because it's a part where you have to do your homework more. And the Magic, you know, their approach has always been to do heavy research, to, to know the entire draft because you never know what opportunities will come up. And of course, you're keeping kind of a file on every player entering the league. So you don't want to be lax because you never know. As, 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 uh, the story that, you know, kind of the moment that made me realize this, of course, uh, was when the Magic acquired Tobias Harris and, and Rob Hennigan said he drew on his interviews with Tobias while he was still with the Oklahoma City Thunder on acquiring him and feeling comfortable acquiring him. That turned out to be a pretty good move for the Orlando Magic, I have to say, at the end of the day. Well, not at the end of the day, because the Magic botched that, but that's neither here nor there. This is part of the skill, and frankly, a little bit of the luck of being an NBA general manager, being able to pick apart talent at this stage. And of course, sitting where the Magic are sitting now, they have a few different responsibilities and a few different ideas that they have to approach but at the end of the day, it's still the same. Uh, I, I think that, that our group is, is excited about this draft. You know, I think we're in a place where typically in the middle of the first round, outside of the lottery, you kind of are swimming upstream to, uh, to draft a player that turns out to be a, a career rotation player. And I think that um, we're looking at several guys that we feel could do that and, and hopefully even more. So, yeah, we're very excited about our draft spot. And there are a lot of names to get through in, in the course of evaluating who the Magic should pick. A lot of names that, that I couldn't possibly keep up with uh, on this podcast or even on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Um, it, 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 when I look at this draft class, I could see some of these players going at 8, going in the top 10, or falling all the way into the late teens and into the 20s. The difference in talent at this stage is really a matter of preference and finding those little things that you like that could fit into your team's culture that you feel that you can develop and grow. There's players like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the kind of do-everything shooting guard for Virginia Tech, a guy who has an improving and strong three-point shooter, but a little bit of a slow release. Got good length and a decent defender, but not completely disciplined as a sophomore. Not a great pick-and-roll guy, but getting better. Guy like Tyler Hero, perhaps the best shooter in this draft. But he's small, as, as he recognized he doesn't have the length that others have. And he's going to have to work harder on defense. And while he's a very smart player on and off the ball, his shooting has got to be on point, or his value decreases pretty substantially. There's guys like Romeo Langford, who disapp- Romeo Langford and Nasir Little, who disappointed a little bit in their college careers, but coming out of high school were two of the best guys in the entire country. 
they're guys who could very easily be all-star players or they could continue to struggle to shoot and find it difficult to have a role in the NBA. So a guy like Kevin Porter Jr., who many people consider one of the best scorers in this draft, but off-the-court issues at USC and a suspension that pretty much ended his season in January have a lot of scouts asking questions, have a lot of franchises asking questions because that personal piece, how they're going to handle being in the NBA is just as important as what they do on the court. In a lot of ways. You can't, I honestly, I don't know if you can handle what's on the court if you don't have a lot of your life in order, especially if you don't have a locker room full of veterans kind of showing you the way. Then you have guys who are big projects, like Casey Opala from Stanford, a, a do-everything wing who probably really hasn't under, hasn't come to understand both the, the game of basketball in a lot of ways. I, I think he's relatively new to basketball, but doesn't understand quite the physical gifts that he has and is, is slowly piecing them together like he did at Stanford. He's a guy that could clearly fill a little bit of a role and, and continue to improve and grow as a player. Or like Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State, a player who has prodigious length, a seven-foot wingspan from a guy who is six-foot-four, incredible defensive potential, something that could close the gap and close the margin for error for him when he makes mistakes, but isn't overly athletic, isn't a great jump shooter, and maybe doesn't have all the skills necessary to take advantage of the physical gifts that he was born with. There's Cameron Johnson, a veteran player who spent four years in college, turned into one of the best shooters in the country last year, shooting 40%, you know, honestly, displacing Nasir Little, one of the best high schoolers in the country, and proving that he could be a steady player at the college level. But a little bit older, who knows if who knows if he can translate to, into being much more. And the list goes on and on. I could talk about Bol Bol or Goga Batazdi, uh, if I pronounce that correct, uh, correctly. Uh, Seku Demboya, who most people project will go into the top 10. There are, you know, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura. There are so many players. And it's, it's tough for me to get a grasp on all of them, I'm sure. The Magic's front office staff has done a little bit more homework and has done a little bit more. And that's both the, the fun and excitement of picking at this spot. But it always begs the question, do you pick on need or do you pick the best player available? And it's here where I think the Magic's draft strategy becomes a little clearer and gives a little clue over what they might think happened the rest of the summer. Uh, there's always a like sliding scale with that. I think that the better you get, and I don't know if you know how, how good we are, we have to reestablish everything uh, beginning again this summer to, to be even the team we were last season. Um, but uh, then, then it becomes more difficult to expect a rookie to play for you. And so for us, we'll approach this as uh, we always do, looking for the best player that we can add to our team and the best person, someone who... Uh, cares about his teammates, who cares uh, first and foremost about winning. Um, those are the sorts of guys that we're looking for. So Jeff Weltman makes it clear the Magic are going to take the best player on their board. They don't necessarily feel like they're in a position where they have to draft on need yet. Now, certainly there are 
some some skills and, 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 and abilities that are perhaps a little duplicative. I mean, we do know the magic need shooting. We do know the magic need on-ball creation. We do know the magic need these things. But there's also the realization that at pick 16, you're not going to get the top-end guys. Sure, a Romeo Langford could fall on your lap, and he projects a little bit more as an on-the-ball scorer. But the odds of that hitting are still relatively low. Now, now granted, I think it's five players in the NBA All-Star game this year were drafted 15 or lower. So it's not like you can't get an All-Star, including Nikola Vucevic, who was the last player taken at number 16 to make the NBA All-Star game. So it's not like you can't get a star player. That's not the goal. But clearly, Weltman is taking a bit of a different tact with how the Magic are going to approach this draft or who the Magic are looking for in this draft. They're not looking to fill a specific need. As, 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 as Weltman put it um, later on in his, in his interview, in his media availability, as he put it, you don't want to hone in on one need or cross a certain skill set or position off the board because then you miss opportunity to grab someone really good. If they think that, you know, Brandon Clark or Rui Hachimura or let's say Jackson Hayes falls to them, if they think those guys are the best player on the board, they'll take them, even if there may not be a clear fit for them within the current rotation. Trades are relatively easy in the league. There are a lot of guys who are big, lanky wings that that mimic a lot of what Wessel One do and, and Melvin Frazier do that the Magic could certainly take. There is a lot of that going on. But ultimately, when the Magic sit down, when they are on the clock, their job is to get the best player for the Magic at that time. The best player on their board. However they evaluate, however they come to that decision, that is what they will do. That's what those final debates will be about, about refining and cleaning up that draft board. So when it comes down to decision time, they will have all the information they need to make the best decision. And then they'll see where it fits from there. Clearly, Weltman says the expectation is not for the rookie, whoever it is, to come in and make an immediate impact. I even asked him, what if it's a a veteran player, with Cameron Johnson specifically in mind, and he said, you know, you're still a rookie. There's no expectation that even a veteran player, the guy who's been in in college for two, three, four years, will be able to step in and make an immediate difference or that he'll be immediately ready for minutes. Really, what's at play here is the Magic want to add someone that will help them in the long term. This is still a long-term project. And I would note in that last quote that I gave from Weltman, I would note that he says... We're not even sure we're a good team yet. We have to reestablish everything that we built in 2019. Perhaps that's a little bit of a hedge, knowing that two very key players in Terrence Ross and Nikola Vucevic are both free agents and both could be on their way out. That this team, it could be very different in 2020. And that he's got a very difficult task ahead of him to kind of piece the roster together and keep it afloat or keep it where it's at to keep building on this foundation.
But this draft works somewhat independently of that. It's abundantly clear the Magic will take the best player on the board without consideration of need, frankly, somewhat a fit. It's more about fitting culture and just adding talent to the roster. That's the goal in this draft. If the player is good enough, they will find minutes for him. He will earn his minutes and get on the floor. And the rest of it will fall into place through free agency, through trades, through the rest of the offseason. I don't know who that player is. I, I, I'll i reveal kind of my big board a little bit more and who, I, who I'm really focused on on, on Thursday's episode of Locked On Magic heading into the NBA draft. But I don't know, I don't have a sense of who the Magic think is the big guy. We do know the Magic have a type. They like guys with length. And so that would certainly suggest that a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Taylor Horton Tucker or Casey Opalo or Cameron Johnson, if the Magic want a wing or if the Magic are thinking that, those are probably your top guys. It's hard to ignore what Tyler Hero did as a shooter. It's hard to ignore... Uh, what Romeo Langford can do, or even what Nasir Little can do, and the talent that they have. It's hard to ignore that. But ultimately, it is the Magic's decision to figure out what they want. And all we can do is offer our best guess. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. And that's exactly what I've done in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Over on Locked On NBA, the, the, the Locked On, the kind of general national NBA podcast, for the third straight year, we are doing our our mock draft where essentially all the locked on hosts take over their teams and we conduct the draft in full, including trades. Granted, Anthony Davis was traded to the Celtics instead of to the Lakers, but the exercise is still really instructive on it. It's one of my favorite exercises of the year. I love going through these mock drafts and seeing all the different permutations for how things can play out and how other GMs are thinking. And I think, you know, we, we were looking back at some of the old ones and, and we got some things wrong. We got some things right. Ultimately, no one can really predict how this is going to go or how this, uh, this, this whole draft is going to play out. And that's kind of how I approached it. Like Waltman said, there are a lot of guys I really like at 16. I do think the Magic are in a really good position, and, and this is the kind of draft where you know, there isn't a huge difference between guys at the end of the lottery and, and in, in a kind of into even the, the late top 10, like 8, 
there's really no big difference between 8 and 19 or 20. There are a lot of players who have, you know, not similar skill sets, but roughly the same type of ability. And it's ultimately going to be down to what you want to get and where you think you can get it. And that's really what I was focused on in this exercise. Um, As far as trades, I did have a few people inquire about Aaron Gordon, and I flat out kind of said, unless you're giving me a an all-star, an established all-star on a multi-year deal, I'm not trading Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's off the table. And, you know, I, we see a lot of the national media still kind of toy around with like, oh, Aaron Gordon might be available to Magic. Don't, you know, Magic don't really know what they're doing with him. No, that's, that's, that's completely wrong. Those are people who haven't watched the Magic. Those are people who don't understand how important he was to the team and, frankly, how well he played in the playoffs and how vital he was to, to the Magic kind of staying afloat in that series. And like I've said, like I've said throughout this offseason, if anything, I wanted Aaron Gordon to be more aggressive in the playoffs, and, and I'm, I'm hoping he, he took that lesson and kind of got a lot of confidence, especially from Game 4 of that series. Because again, I will continue to whisper this very quietly and slowly, slowly getting louder. I think Aaron Gordon played, uh, if not the best, the, the second best defense on Kawhi Leonard in the entire postseason. Um, even though Kawhi still scored a lot, I thought Gordon's defense was very, very good. Um, you know, Honestly, uh, just looking back on that Raptors series, I would say the Raptors beat the Magic with their defense more than their offense. And what I mean by that is Toronto's very good at turning turnovers into transition and very good at getting out in transition very selectively. And Orlando missed a lot of shots and they turned the ball over a lot, a lot more than they usually do. And I think that fed Toronto's offense a lot more. I thought Orlando's half-court defense, with the exception of Game 5, which was terrible, um, you could kind of see them let go of the rope a little bit in that game. Um, with the exception of Game 5, particularly early on in that game, I thought Orlando's half-court defense was very, very good. Obviously, that's not enough, and we'll break that down again on another day. But, looking at this draft, I, I, I felt very comfortable that I could move around a little bit. Um, that that, if, that, the player that I, if the player that I absolutely wanted was not there at 16, that there were some good players that I'd be willing to move down for and wait on if the right deal came along. There are a few other offers on the table. Like I said, a few people, uh, especially Phoenix, inquired about Aaron Gorn, about moving up, and I said, I'm not interested in moving up, and, and I've, I've still gotten this request from, from fans too, like, why aren't the Magic offering to move up in this draft? It's, it's a three-player draft, essentially, at the, at the quote-unquote star level. And honestly, I'm not completely sold that, that Ja Morant and, and R.J. Barrett will be that much better than what the Magic have now. Orlando just made the playoffs, and I think there's still a lot of fans who are kind of in a, you know, we're not winning mode. Um, and, and yes, I think the Magic are still rebuilding and still looking to grow, but I think they want to grow what they have. So again, Isaac, Bamba, Gordon, Fultz to some extent, completely off the table. And most inquiries were about Gordon, and I wasn't really interested. I did have uh, some discussions with Chicago over an Evan Fournier deal, um, uh, and, and it just never materialized. Zach Levine just doesn't do it for me, um, and, and really nothing else interested me on that roster, so we, couldn't, we really couldn't find a framework for, for a deal to, to work. Uh, but I did get one trade offer that, that eventually was the trade that I did in that draft that I did find to my liking, and, and, and I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll admit to locked on Cavaliers now, I kind of slow played it a little bit because there are a few players that I am really honed in on in this draft. Players that that I particularly like a lot. 
Um, you know, obviously, Romeo Lankford, Kevin Porter Jr., Nasir Little, that's the kind of trio that a lot of Magic fans have really focused in on and said, those are the guys that, that could really change the game. And I, I think they're kind of boomer bust guys. Um, I don't think they necessarily fit everything the Magic want, but they are interesting enough that I would have waited out on them. Unfortunately, they were all gone. Nasir Little went 10 to Atlanta, uh, Kevin Porter 11 to Minnesota, and Romeo Langford 13 to Miami. So they are they were off the board when I got to six when we got to 16. The guy that I really wanted though, and the guy that I figured would be there was Nikel Alexander Walker. I, I I will admit I am very high on him. Um, I do think he has some weaknesses in his game, but you're not asking him to be a primary scorer. Um, if he can be a solid spot-up shooter, can learn to work a little bit off cuts, he's good in pick and rolls. He, he's kind of a, he can be a little bit of an Evan Fournier light offensively, which I, I love. Evan Fournier's role offensively when he's making shots is really, really good as long as he's not forcing shots, which Evan sometimes does. If he can be that, I, I think that would be really valuable to the team. Um, I think he can do it immediately. I think his skills offensively especially translate pretty quickly to his rookie year. So I think that you can define a role for him, kind of set parameters for him for his rookie year, and he can succeed in that role. Um, Defensively, I think he's really smart and and can really improve defensively. And so I think he's kind of the perfect profile for what the Magic are looking for. You can go on OrlandoMagicDaily.com right now and see Zach Palmer's video breakdown of him. And it, it's hard to say. It's hard not to say that that this guy really fits what the Magic want to do. But Detroit took him at 15, and so Nikhil Alexander Walker's off the board. You know, kind of my top four guys that I was really looking at were off the board. And you know, the, my next group of guys, I was like, you know, I'm not big into Tyler here. I, I think the defense is a real thing. And and while the Magic do need shooting, shooting alone isn't gonna do it for me. You know, I don't. I think he can work off cuts a little bit, and, and that's valuable. I'm not. I'm not out on Tyler Hero, but I felt like there were a couple other players that I really, really liked that I felt like would be available further on down the draft, and I got something that I believe is a benefit to me out of it. So what I ended up doing was I traded the 16th pick along with Timothy Mozgov and a top 50 protected second to Cleveland for J.R. Smith and the 26th pick. So I retained a first-round pick toward the, toward the tail end of where I'm comfortable of saying I'll get, a, I'll get one of the players that I really would feel comfortable even picking at 16. Maybe not super comfortable, a little bit of a reach, but you know, roughly at 16. But what I also get here is some financial savings for my owner, which I'm sure he will appreciate, and a little bit more wiggle room in free agency for this summer, as well as the following summers. Timothy Mozgov's an expiring contract, a little bit more north of $16 million. Uh, actually, a little bit less than $16 million this year. He has an expiring contract, and that has value in trades. You can use that to take on some big salary, and maybe it would have been better to hold on to it to take on a big salary closer to the trade deadline, or to try and use that to get Mike Conley. That's not that's, that's something I engaged in, but maybe it's something I should have. Um, if, if I had a little bit more time or, or, or you know, was, was really working this exercise. To get the magic to significant cap room, not significant cap room, but to uh, a, a sizable bit of cap room, should Nikola Vucevic leave? Or should Terrence Ross leave? The magic would have to stretch Timothy Moskov. That would lower his cap hit from roughly 16 to 5 get about $11 extra million to spend. 
So it's not impossible to get to significant cap room. And I do think the Magic need to act in free agency this year. This summer, they need to make something happen. Now, they can't be reckless. Years matter more than money, as, as Keith Smith said on yesterday's podcast, and we'll say again on tomorrow's podcast. Years matter more than money. I'm not saying spend recklessly, but I want the tool in my toolbox. And getting rid of Mozgov and freeing up that space without having to take those cap hits over the next two years is valuable. Now, you're probably saying, wait, 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 wait. Magic are virtually over the cap. In order to do this, the salaries have to match. And you're right. J.R. Smith's salary is actually a little bit more than Timothy Moskov's. But J.R. Smith's salary is only partially guaranteed. On June 30th, if he's not cut before June 30th, he's paid the full salary. If he's cut before June 30th, it's only a $3 million hit. So I've reduced you know, my payroll a lot which, again, my owner will appreciate. And I freed up significant cap room, not just fake cap room, not just potential cap room with the stretch provision, but real cap room. Even if I re-sign Nikola Vucevic, I will have a little bit of money to play with. Even if I re-sign Terrence Ross and not Nikola Vucevic, I will still have some money to play with. And that was important to me. That was something that I wanted. And that made it worth trading down. Now, the two guys that I was really looking hard at at 26 were Cam Johnson and Casey Opal. Cam Johnson, again, at North Carolina, a four-year player, was one of the best shooters in the country. Had, had one of the highest field goal, three-point field goal percentages in the country. He was unfortunately taken two picks before me at 24, which is fine. I still ended up with someone that I really like. And honestly, if I hadn't taken Casey Opal, I would have ended up with someone that, that I'd be pretty happy with too, and Keldon Johnson. But I took Casey Opala from Stanford. Again, Opala isn't super flashy. He's still kind of new to basketball, if I, if I read my history correctly, if I read my profile correctly. Uh, and he's still kind of growing into his body. He's still figuring out what his body can do. And last year at Stanford, he took some sizable leaps. And I think that's something the Magic really value. They value guys who take big leaps. Think about what Wes, Wesawandu did between his sophomore and junior year from the three-point line. They want guys who will prove that to, the, to them that they will get in the gym and get better. Casey Opala did that last year at Stanford. And while playing as the primary scorer, he ran into some hiccups. A little bit of a straight, straight line drive driver. Still improving as a three-point shooter, but could get there. Doesn't have like top-end athleticism, but can get to the basket. Is, is, a, is a smooth finisher around the basket. But he has good length. Is an improving defender. I think he, he doesn't quite realize how good of a defender he can be. And again, if he proved through his percentages, through, through how he improved year over year, that he's willing to put in the work to get better. It's not just about opportunity. It's he took that opportunity and got better. And I think that's something to magic value. So I came away from this, from this mock draft exercise. I came away with more cap room to spend this summer, which is something that I think the magic need. And I came away with a player who I feel can play a role. And honestly, I think his skills translate pretty quickly. I think he will be able to, to carve out a little bit of a role this year. Now, as, as I've told a few of the, my Magic Blogger buddies about, about what I did. And, 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 you know, a lot of people said, you know, I think he did a d 
decent job. I think that 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 would work. And some people have even suggested the the J.R. Smith trade, and and I would tell them like I actually pulled that off. So I think the at least Cavs writers are interested in that idea too. Especially if they can move up a little bit, I think I think that draft pick is more valuable to the Cavs than it would be to the Magic. But I, I think the fair criticism of this is that Opala is kind of a bigger Wessa Wundu. He's the small forward version of Wessa Wundu, which I think is fair. Um, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He's not as poor a shooter as a Wundu was in college. Um, he doesn't do anything spectacularly. Does a lot of things pretty well, but you're banking on his continued improvement. And again, you put him in the magic system, and, and who knows what could happen. So that's ultimately what I did in the Locked On NBA mock draft. Again, you can kind of hear all the analysis and get really kind of read up on all the draft picks. Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, Brendan Clean of Locked On Suns, as well as the Step Back, are on the podcast discussing every one of the picks, how we did as general managers, and about the prospects. So if you want to study up on these prospects, I highly suggest you download Locked On NBA, subscribe to Locked On NBA, and listen to the podcast throughout the entire week as we do the Locked On NBA mock draft. I just explained what I did as the Magic's GM. You can hear what everyone else did throughout the league. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast and listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. There we're doing much more detailed profiles of the potential picks the Magic could take, uh, as well as continuing to cover free agency and everything else going on with the Orlando Magic. Um, Of course, they will not be in the Amway Center on Tuesday because of the event that we won't talk about here on the show. But... Until tomorrow, we'll be back with part two of my discussion with Keith Smith about the Orlando Magic's offseason and what they can do in free agency. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.